bars and hoops, Lamont swoops back alley cats, the back door cuts with alley oops, posting up. You on block or Mike and Booth and kick it out to one who likes to shoot. Oh yeah, said we merging them. Got 50 with a surgeon and some throwbacks like Snoop Dogg with Magic Irvin's and some more in like Master P and Dr. Irvin playing. Or how about maybe a little Wayne speaking on bird back then? Balls and hoops, y'all. We hitting up all courts. But now with the sports talk, next we talk all sports. Back to it. Got Jada and Jamal Croft, haters get crossed out, crossed up across all actual facts, points of view that you've never seen from your favorite artists like talking about Jeffrey Green or Gerald Wallace, whoever's on your favorite team, El Amino the versus still be great on the name for B&H. Drake's opinion on space, one synopsis of Blake, tip on Horford's fate, the fact we giving them straight, the truth is shitting on tape, who sports snakes for a stake, so true or you can debate on who you really done rate, come through it really be great, the true the fact like a state, AAM on Prime 8, please remember, bars and hoops, the center of the hood, make it part of your agenda. What up, what up, what up, y'all? Bars and Hoops steals the great episode 62. Today I'm flying solo. You know, my co host, you know, what I mean, he's a little under the weather today. You know, shout out to the homie Zah Flair, you know, but he's here with me in spirit. You know what I mean? We got a lot to cover, man, because a lot is going on this whole weekend leading into the second round of the playoffs. The NFL draft is finally over. Teams made their selections, you know, some historical moves were made. You know what I mean? We got a lot to talk about in regards to that. Definitely going to talk about first round of the NBA playoffs, the second round thus far, my sleepers, and some of the surprises that's happened in the first round. You know, a lot of drama, you know, going on off the court after the first round results. So we definitely going to touch on that. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about some of the rumors going on in the NBA situation in San Antonio with Kawhi Leonard and, you know what I mean? The Knicks coaching search. And um, we're going to end it off with everything that's going on in the world of hip-hop, man. Because it seems like Kanye West has the world in a frenzy right now, man. And I'm going to touch on a little bit of it because I got my opinions and thoughts on the situation. Everybody has theirs, so I'm just going to share mine. But, you know, to set everything off, man, you know, the NBA playoffs have been extremely exciting, I must admit, man. The games have shown that there's a lot more parity than a lot of people initially thought. You know what I mean? Teams like Boston are showing that, you know, they're they're for real. Brad Stevens is showing that, you know, he's one hell of a coach. He's a great coach because they lost two of their top players throughout the season. They lost Gordon Hayward the first game of the season with that horrific ankle injury. And heading into the playoffs, you lose Kyrie Irving to a knee injury so basically what Brad Stevens is doing right now with a bunch of these young guys first and second year players like Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown and the work that Jason Tatum is putting in it's like it's impressive man so let's start off with the Cavs man you know Cleveland pretty much survived the scare from the Indiana Pacers in the first round who I think should have put Cleveland away when they had the chance but some people believe that the referees played a factor in game five and, you know, game six. But, you know, that's a young team. They couldn't finish. The King has a lot of experience on his side, and he took advantage of that. You know, even though he has some young role players on his team, 
he still has to carry the load for his team. And he capitalized off the inexperience of the Pacers squad. So, you know, they survived. They definitely survived the tough one. I, I broke even because, like I told everybody, you know, I had a couple dollars on that series. You know what I mean? Shout out to my man, Buddha Monk. You know, you slip one, you lucky bastard. You live to fight another day, that's for sure. But um, back to the series. One of the narratives that I heard that kind of irked my nerves was... um. The narrative of LeBron James never losing in the first round of a playoff series. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so petty, man. That, that's a petty stat. And to be honest, I, that's something that I wouldn't even had mentioned. But, you know, the way that the mainstream media is and, you know, the way that LeBron fans are, you know, people look for anything to kind of keep them on a pedestal with Michael Jordan. And before I even start... I have no hate in my blood for LeBron James whatsoever. LeBron James is one of the greatest players that I've ever seen play the game in my short time on this planet. You know, I've seen a couple of decades of basketball. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I've seen Mike through his whole career. And I've seen Magic at the tail end of his career. I've seen LeBron at his whole career, you know, start to finish. Michael Jordan is just a different animal. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go to the whole six for six in the finals, six MVP stats. Like, you know, Mike was transcendent, man. Mike paved the way for a lot of these guys like LeBron. But um, that stat, man, that, that you know, undefeated in first-round playoff series can be very misleading because, truth be told, LeBron's reign as king in the league, don't get me wrong, he's... He's the best player in the world. He's been the best player on the planet for the past 15 years. I can't take that from him. But a lot of people, when they mention that stat, they fail to also mention that LeBron has benefited from playing in a weak East his whole career. Just like a lot of people would say that Mike benefited by beating up on older Celtics teams, older Boston teams when he started his reign, his journey on the championship path. He beat older teams. I mean, the same can be said for LeBron. I mean, he's benefited from playing in a weak conference for a majority of his career. And on top of that, his reign in Miami, of course, everybody knows the decision. You went down there, you played with, you know, Chris Bosh. You played with Dwayne Wade, both in their prime. So you should dominate a, a weaker Eastern Conference. I mean, you look at the East during that time, the Knicks have been horrible for many years outside of probably, what, two years of, of being relevant in Carmelo and uh, Amari Stoudemire's reign in New York. Um, the Nets have been terrible since uh, the KG and Paul Pierce experiment failed in Brooklyn. Milwaukee has been bad, you know. Uh, Orlando has been bad. You know, Atlanta was been middle of the road. You know, Washington was mediocre before they finally got to the playoffs. You know, Boston was still recovering from that big three debacle when they broke up. I mean, the East has been like a cakewalk for LeBron for like many years. That's why he constantly made it to the NBA Finals, what, four consecutive years? Like, you know, that's product of... A terrible conference. Now, let's just say, hypothetically, had he been in the Western Conference, J 
just like Carmelo Anthony because they both came out the same time. And Melo made the playoffs his first year, by the way, as a rookie. Led Denver to the playoffs every year of his career while he was in the West. Granted, he only made it to one Western Conference Finals, made it out of the first round like once or twice, lost in the in, um, second round a few times. But Melo's fate was... He went up against two dynasties. He went up against a Lakers dynasty, and he went up against a Spurs dynasty. And I think if LeBron was in the West, Western Conference at the same time, he would have had that same fate. You know what I mean? So, granted, that's you know, if it were a fifth, you no, know, you know, my 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 aunt would be my uncle type of conversation. But you know that 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 stat is a petty stat to throw out there. So that's why I kind of brought that scenario up. You know, but the bottom line is that, you know, it's a meaningless stat that people, you know, use to build LeBron's legacy. And I get it, man. You know, a lot of people want that next era parent. They they want that poster child. Like after LeBron leaves, I want to see who the next person is. Is it going to be Ben Simmons? You know what I mean? Who's it going to be? But, you know, that whole narrative to me was like a meaningless stat that they just threw out there because it sounded good. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. LeBron James is a great player. He's the greatest player that has ever touched the court after Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. He's a, he's definitely a better all-around player than both of those guys. I give it to him. You know what I mean? I give it to him. LeBron is something definitely different. Like, he's transcendent. You know what I mean? And now with the way that the league is, a lot of these players that's coming in are transcendent. The Joel Embiid's, the Chris Stapps, Porzingis. You know, the Greek freak, granted their games are incomplete in some way, shape, form or fashion. But, you know, the league is in in a transition stage and it's in good hands because the talent that's coming in is remarkable. You know what I mean? But I just had to mention that because I hear a lot of people throwing that LeBron stat out there like, you know, that's the six for six in the NBA finals. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, six MVPs, six and oh, you know. That's something that you mentioned, you know, this streak about not losing in the first round. I mean, it's sort of like, all right, it's padded because, you know, at the end of the day, you played a lot of cupcakes coming in. Half the time you had the number one seed and you played the eight seed, which wasn't a good team because the East was terrible. So it's nothing to brag about. But nevertheless, he's undefeated in the finals. You know what I mean? Next on the list. You know, the OKC Thunder, you know, they got bumped by the Utah Jazz in the first round. And um, it was pretty ugly, man. You know, you could tell that the team wasn't cohesive coming into the playoffs throughout the season. You know, it was just an up and down. It was an up and down season for the um, Thunder, man. And, you know, the mixture of talent, it just quite frankly didn't mesh. You know what I mean? A lot of people are questioning Russell Westbrook's leadership. A lot of people are questioning Paul George's commitment to that situation, which is rightfully so, because he was traded there. He didn't, you know, sign there. And um, everybody's definitely looking at Melo as, hey, see, he's a selfish player. Look, he goes somewhere else and he still doesn't produce. You know, while all of that may be true, the bottom line is, is that hard work beats out talent any day. And the Utah Jazz, who are coached by a great coach, and Quinn Snyder, he's just like Brad Stevens, you know, came from came from um, the college ranks, stepped it up on the NBA level, took his lumps, and now he's out here making 
decent teams look great. You know what I mean? And 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 that's you know that's a testament to his his offensive mind and his coaching style. You know what I mean? It also helps to have a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who the Knicks passed up on, by the way. But who's who's counting? You know who's looking at that situation? You know what I mean? Rudy Gobert, great defensive player. I think that the trade midseason with OKC and those other teams to get certain role players that played a factor. You know, um, the addition of with, of guys, you know, that play defense and know their role. Jay Crowder, you know, that was a big, big, big addition to their team, and it helped them in the playoffs in the first round. And they made it past the playoffs in the first round for the first time in many years. I mean, granted, they got ran over by by Houston, you know, the first game of the second round, but nevertheless, they bumped OKC. You know what I mean? Now, back to the OKC situation. Shortly after, you know, the series was over, you know, reporters already got in their bag, and you know who they went to first. Hoodie Mello. You know, the questions flying left and right. So one of the questions were, do you think that you'll be better suited coming off the bench? Now, what type of question is that to ask a guy like Carmelo Anthony, who's very prideful, who at the end of the day has showed you throughout his career that he's not that type of guy to take a back seat and come off the bench or be some type of role player? That's just not his style. I mean, is he right? I'm not going to sit here and say he's right. I mean, numbers show that his skill level has diminished. And when I look at his game, it's like he's basically turned into a jump shooting small forward slash power forward you know maybe that played a role maybe you know playing minutes at the four kind of warmed down i'm you know i'm grasping at straws but it's really no excuse when it comes to carmelo anthony if you're a superstar you're being paid like one you need to perform like one you know what i mean it's no excuses in this game you know it's how you got to play hard fit in make your teammates better do what it is that you got to do to help your team win if you're not willing to do that then what are you playing for, you know? And it's sad because, you know, they had flashes. They definitely showed flashes of being that team that can possibly upset the Golden State Warriors. But that didn't happen. They couldn't even get past the Utah Jazz with a young core of players and a rookie stud and Donovan Mitchell Jr., who, by the way, reminds me a lot of Carmelo Anthony when he came out of college, you know what I mean? It's crazy, man, how the torch gets passed and you don't even realize it. But shout out to um, the Jazz, man. Shout out to Quinn Snyder. Shout out to Donovan Mitchell, who I do believe if Ben Simmons wasn't playing out of his mind and, you know, being classified as a rookie this year, Donovan Mitchell would be the rookie of the year, hands down. But that's something that the league needs to revisit down the line. But, you know, salute to Donovan Mitchell Jr. You know, salute to... um. Ben Simmons and you know they're doing good things man they, they're definitely bringing some parity to the league and bringing some excitement back to the league and you see the changing of the guard right before our eyes next on the list Golden State you know the Warriors are back you know they had a little minor setback the first round a little struggle you know they're missing some key players guys going down with injury but they come right out the gate and shellac, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans who basically swept their first round series. You know what I mean? Anthony Davis got his, you know. Guys like Drew Holiday could have stepped up a little bit, but 
you know, KD, Draymond, and those guys, man, they're champions, man. I think that when it's time, they put it on another level, man. They switch a whole nother gear, and they just take off. And they handled, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans in game one, you know, pretty easy. You know what I mean? So tonight, they're going to face off again. You know, currently, the uh, Cavs are giving the Rap- Raptors a run for their money. And the second game of the back-to-back is, you know, Golden State and New Orleans. So it remains to be seen what New Orleans does in game two. You know what I mean? Shifting gears a little bit. You know, um, the Celtics. You know, the Celtics, man. Like, <laughs> again, Brad Stevens, man. I-, I can't speak enough about the job that he's doing. You know what I mean? Because um, losing two superstars like that, especially losing Kyrie, I didn't think that the Celtics would be able to even get out of the first round. Not only did they get out of the first round, but they handed Philly they asses yesterday, man, in a beating. They beat them like they stole something. <laughs> like Adrian Broner told told um, Jesse Vargas, I beat, I look at him, I beat him like he stole something. You know what I mean? That's how Boston pretty much handled uh, Philadelphia yesterday. And Philly had a lot of rest, you know, Coming in, we figured that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid would go to town on a much smaller uh, team, an underhanded team in Boston, but that wasn't the case. Again, Brad Stevens, like Quinn Snyder, man, is a great coach, man, and, you know, they had their teams mentally and physically prepared to go to war, man, and, you know, Philly's a young team, you know what I mean? Philly's a young team. Brent Brown got outcoached, and, you know, it is what it is, you know what I mean? Moving on to more NBA rumors. You know, the big rumor nowadays, man, and the biggest issue, the glaring the glaring problem in the league right now is what's going on in San Antonio. You know, for many years, for decades, the Spurs have been a solid organization. You know what I mean? Squeaky clean reputation, squeaky clean players from the Duncans, David Robinsons, Avery Johnsons. Sean Elliott's, Tony Parker's. Now you got Kawhi. You know, Kawhi isn't a hothead, but Kawhi is very quiet and he's a very laid back, old school throwback type of guy. You know what I mean? He's not really looking for the spotlight, but, you know, this season clearly showed that maybe he sees the writing on the wall when it, in regards to how things are looking out in the West. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure that he's looking around his shoulder on his team. Manu being old, Tony Parker being old. You know, guys are constantly injured. LaMarcus Aldridge isn't the player that many thought that he would be in San Antonio. Paul Gasol is old. You know, so when Kawhi's looking around at teams like Houston, that's getting better. Golden State is going to be there for a while. Now you got the emergence of the Pelicans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pretty soon, teams like Dallas is going to catch up when they start adding pieces. Denver is one of the teams on the rise. You know, the Lakers are going to be there. You know, Kawhi is looking at it like, man, I like DeJounte Murray and all that, but that's not enough to compete with any of these teams out here. And it's going to be twice as hard for them to make any type of leeway or runs in the Western Conference because of that. And you got to respect that. You got to respect his way of thinking. You got to respect the fact that he's looking at things in that manner. Now, the way that he's going about it is unprofessional. I can't even lie. No, it, it comes down to him being hurt and him not liking the way that the Spurs handle his situation. His rehab uh, didn't go according to plan. 
and he feels a way about it. So, you know, him and his team made the conscious decision to leave the Spurs organization and take care of the injury on their own. I mean, I think like, you know, 50% of it is, you know, nonsense. He probably could have came back, but who am I to tell him how to uh, view his body and justify whether or not he should come back and play or not? He felt he wasn't healthy. He has every right to sit out. You know, it's his body. You know what I mean? <laughs> but some of the juicy stuff is, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that he is rehabbing in New York. Pretty sure he's soaking up the city while he's here, you know. Probably standing somewhere that's really nice, you know. Somewhere a little bit different than, you know, San Antonio. You know what I mean? Not a small town. He's in a big city. Also, you know, a big market. You know what I mean? It's a big deal to be in New York. You know what I mean? Which leads me to my point. You know, reports are is that, you know, the Spurs organization feel like his camp is trying to basically, you know, move him to a bigger city. Either Philly, that will be scary, L.A., you know, or New York. I mean, to me, I don't think he's staying in the West if he does decide to leave or if the Spurs do decide to trade him. You know what I mean? I think that the fact that he probably doesn't want to stay in the West kind of ties the Spurs' hands in regards to the locations that they can send them. So the only place they can probably send them is East. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, the rumor is is that New York and Philly are definitely two of the destinations. Now, with New York, I'm not going to sit here and act like adding Kawhi Leonard would automatically put us over the top. It won't. You know what I mean? Kristaps Porzingis is still hurt. The Knicks still have to do have a hell of a draft this coming season. And, you know, a lot of things got to fall in place for the Knicks to be relevant and Kawhi Leonard to come here wholeheartedly. So I'm going to be realistic with that. The scary thing is, is that <laughs> Kawhi can go to the Philadelphia 76ers and it'll be a perfect fit. You know what I mean? He's a small forward. You know, they, they need a small forward, hence the reason why People were thinking that LeBron would go there, but, you know, LeBron going there with Ben Simmons there is kind of like, you know, a redundant uh, position of play. Both of them are unselfish players, and, you know, one would take away from the other. So adding a guy like Kawhi to that mix in Philly would be something dangerous, and they're already a threat to go to the finals this year. I'm kind of picking them to go to the finals, but if my money, if I was a betting man, I would bet that Kawhi Leonard would probably want to go somewhere like Philadelphia where it's still a big market. He doesn't have to have all the pressure on him of going there by going there. They have a young nucleus and Markel Fultz, (laughs) you know, uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Adding a guy with veteran leadership like Kawhi would only make the uh, 76ers that much more dangerous. You know, in New York... You know, who knows? You add the right coach, you draft right. It'll make the Knicks situation interesting, but we'll probably be a low playoff seed if they keep some of the players like Cantor and, you know, Beasley and, you know, Neela Kenya comes back better than ever. Trey Burke comes back better than ever. They have a solid draft. And, you know, who knows what can happen. But as of now, adding Kawhi to New York doesn't really make the Knicks much better. And in adding him to New York, you would have to give up a whole lot in a trade. And, you know, 
I don't mind the Porzingis thing. Like, you know, I feel like I, I like Porzingis, but, you know, I don't like this new wave of big men that want to linger outside. And, you know, a lot of his game is 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 based on him being able to shoot the ball from outside and take guys that's his size or a little bit smaller to the basket with ease. You know what I mean? But after this injury, who knows how he's going to be. People say that guys like Jabari Parker came from this injury with no problems. KP can bounce back too. But guess what? Jabari Parker, though he tore his ACLs twice, he's not 7'3". And who knows how KP will respond to that injury. I mean, this is the same guy that sat out a few games for his back. And I'm not knocking him, but I'm saying, man, you don't really get a chance to get guys like Kawhi Leonard too often. And if the right situation presented itself, knowing the Knicks situation with KP not coming back right away, that's an option that I would look at if the Spurs ever came knocking and decided to get rid of um, Kawhi Leonard. Speaking of all the Knicks, you know, continuing on with this, you know, organization, you know, they just completed their coaching search. It seems like they they looked for every coach under the sun. You know what I mean? About 10 interviews that took place. The last two interviews that everybody's talking about is Juwan Howard and Mike Brown. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't want either one of them. I wouldn't want Juwan Howard. You know what I mean? This not a job. This isn't a city for a rookie coach. We went through that already with Derek Fisher. You see how that ended up. And that was Phil Jackson's doing. You know what I mean? Jerry Stackhouse, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not sold on those guys, man. Me, like Stephen A., I believe that a guy like Mark Jackson is the perfect fit for New York. Regardless of all the rumors and everything that took place while he was in Golden State, you know, the infamous statements about his religious beliefs and, you know, the situation with Jason Collins and Mark saying that, you know, he'd say a prayer for him and because of his, his, his uh, sexuality and all of this other nonsense, all barring all of that. Mark Jackson is the best person for this job. You know what I mean? Not even the fact that he's just from the city, but he learned from great coaches. You know what I mean? And he, you know, people always do mention, I can't lie, they do mention that he did play a major role in the development of that Warriors team, even though he had Draymond in his rookie season during his last season of coaching. He had Klay Thompson during his first year, you know, and he definitely groomed Steph um, Curry. From his first year, you know, Mark Jackson laid down the foundation for Golden State and they ended up, you know, becoming champions after he left. But he played a major role in that championship run, whether they want to admit it, the media wants to admit it or not. You know what I mean? This is the only guy that I know that got fired with a winning record. <laughs> you know what I mean? 20 games over 500. He was he was constantly improving every year. Every year after, you know, his um his his uh, first season as a rookie head coach in Golden State. So the fact of the matter is that Mark Jackson is overqualified for this New York position. He can handle the media here in New York. You know what I mean? He definitely works well with developing young players. And the fact that the Knicks have the opportunity to draft a transcending uh, point guard or whoever they decide to pick at this point. You got to pick the best talent that's available in the draft. I don't care. Positionless, you need as much talent as possible because at the end of the day, teams around New York, 
and in this conference are getting better. That's the point. That's the fact of the matter. The Knicks are going to have a setback next year because they're going to be shorthanded. They're not going to have their best player. Tim Hardaway may get a little bit better. You know, the rumor is that the Knicks are entertaining bringing in Mike Budenhauser. I'm not, I'm not really sold on him. And why would you want a coach that is openly looking to leave? You know, it's a current situation that he's under contract. You don't you don't don't you think that he'll want to do that to you? You know, he didn't have much success in Atlanta. Granted, you know they lost a couple of players. You know they had a couple of players as well, but they underachieved. And just because he came from under the Spurs coaching tree, that doesn't mean that he's gonna be. You know that great of a coach here in New York, especially in this city. You know what I mean? And, you know, I like I like um, you know uh, the coach out of Memphis. You know, Fizdale. You know, Fizdale caught a raw deal as well, but I don't think that he has the skin to last in this market here in New York. You know what I mean? The media here is vicious, man, and I think a guy like Mark Jackson, growing up in this city. You know, knowing the media, playing in the city, you know, his years off as a commentator, you know, sportscaster, he he's watched the game very closely. And I'm pretty sure that he learned from the mistakes that he has made in the past as far as not being open to analytics. And, you know, that's something that, you know, a, a guy that's in his second, third year of coaching isn't going to look at. You know, he only knew how to play one way. He was coached one way. So the new wave of something, that's still anything in any business. Something new is always going to be looked at as, all right, I'm not really into that. Or it's skeptical. People are going to look at it skeptical. So you can't blame Mark Jackson for his thought process and some of the run-ins that he did have in Golden State. I mean, granted, it's a way that you handle things. You know, professionally, I heard that him and Brian Scalabrini didn't have the greatest relationship. We told him, get up out of here and practices and all types of stuff like that, but you know, these are guys that he bought in. You know what I mean? And it's a certain manner in which you need to handle yourself as a head coach. And I think that he learned from that. And I don't think that that should stop him from getting the job here in New York. They want somebody that's going to hold some players accountable. He's the one to do it. They want somebody that can develop talent. He's the one that can do it. They want a coach that's going to stress defense. I think that he pretty much showed that he can do that while he was in Golden State. So for anything else the only reason Mark Jackson doesn't get this job is something other than basketball and that's what it seems like it's been happening to him for the longest and you know it's just not fair so I hope that the Knicks you know do the right thing at the end of the day and you know make Mark Jackson their next head coach you know what I mean moving along man NFL NFL draft New York was buzzing this week this weekend you know what I mean? With the acquisitions that they got in the draft, you know, Cleveland, you know, they didn't screw up. They took the quarterback that they liked. They took Baker Mayfield, number one. You know, the Giants got their man and my boy, Saquon Barkley. You know, I'm ecstatic about that because, you know, forget conventional wisdom. I'll get to that. And the Jets got their quarterback and Sam Donald at number three. Now. You know, I grew up in New York sports market, man. I lift, I listen to these commentators and analysts every day, man. And it grinds my gears and it strikes a nerve at how, you know, certain guys just hate the fact that the Giants didn't take a quarterback with the second overall pick. 
Now these are regular guys that's doing that. Now, you know, some of them played the sport, some of them played different sports, but these are guys that's just sitting behind a microphone and making a living every day. And me doing this as, you know, a passion right now. So my opinion really doesn't matter in some of the eyes of these GMs, these professionals that get paid to build a football team or a basketball team. I just don't get why, you know, these guys don't respect that. How don't you respect the opinion and the decision of a general manager that's paid to do his job? He did his job. Dave Gettleman didn't feel that any of the quarterbacks available would have done any better than what they had on the roster right now, whether it be Davis Webb or whether it be Eli Manning. They figured that they can still win now with Eli Manning. They they figured that he Eli Manning didn't have an offensive line the past three or four years to protect him the way that they should, and that was the reason why he had a lot of turnovers. And people also got to take into consideration the team quit on uh, Ben McAdoo last year. You know what I mean? Even though Eli still held it down until they embarrassed him and pulled him for one game to start Geno Smith. By the way, they did that because at the end of the day, Jerry Reese knew that Geno Smith was expendable. Why put Davis Webb in behind an offensive line that's non-existent and end up risking the future of your franchise by getting him hurt? So I think that that's why Davis Webb didn't play last year, and that's why the Giants didn't make a move to get a quarterback because they have Davis Webb. They drafted another uh, guy by the name of Laletta in the fourth round who's supposed to be a steal. You know, it remains to be seen. And we have a new coaching staff, man. Let them work with the talent that they have. You know, who's to say the Giants can't be a playoff contender next year? Dallas isn't better than us. Washington isn't better than us. Philadelphia isn't even that much better than us. You know, people rave about the um, Eagles defense. But just last year, the year before last, the Giants defense was like top five in the league. So what are we talking about? The only person they lost was JPP. Gettleman let him go because they didn't want to pay him. Because at the end of the day, this guy is on the back end of his career. He injured his hand. You know what I mean? Who's to say his performance would have stayed at that level? They went out, got Ogletree as a linebacker. I think Gettleman is taking it back to how the Giants used to be built. It was linebacking called and linemen. You know what I mean? Under the Jerry Reese era, you know, they they tried to build more with, you know, defensive linemen. You know what I mean? That was, that was the Giants' staple. You know, they had defensive linemen that can get to the quarterback. You still need that in today's NFL. Don't get me wrong. But... I like the job that Gettleman is doing so far. You know, they picked up the big uh, offensive lineman out of UTEP. You know what I mean? Hernandez. <laughs> and I'm looking at tape on that guy. He's a bully, man. That's The Giants haven't had a big guy like that in a long time. And he wears the neck collar. You got to like that. You know what I mean? So I'm ecstatic about, you know, the fact that Saquon Barkley is about to be teamed up with Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard. Evan Ingram, and even if you do decide to bring in a guy like Des Bryant, you know what I mean? As a as a risk, it's still a good risk. A low risk, high reward if you do that. You know what I mean? I don't see anything wrong with that move. You know, and I hope that the Giants do, you know, make that decision and bring in an extra wide receiver to help. I mean, they got a wide receiver from Denver, uh, Fuller. He's a big target. You know, that's why they were able to get rid of Brandon Marshall. 
But I don't see anything wrong with the Giants getting Saquon Barkley at number two. Now, let's just say these quarterbacks that were selected, two out of the three may be a franchise quarterback. And this whole thing with franchise quarterback is blown out of proportion. Like, how many franchise quarterbacks in this league have a Super Bowl? How many How many... How many Super Bowls does Phillip Rivers have? How many Super Bowls does Matthew Stafford have? You know, Aaron Rodgers only has one ring. You know what I mean? Now Nick Foles have one. Nick Foles has the same amount of rings as Aaron Rodgers. So what, is is Nick Foles now an elite quarterback? You know, Tom Brady was selected in the sixth round. He has five championships. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, Russell Wilson wasn't a first round selection and he won a Super Bowl. You know, Case Keenum, you know, Blake Bortles, you know, these guys came this close to competing in the in, in, in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? How many rings does Drew Brees have? One. You know what I mean? So this whole thing about having a quarterback for the next 15, uh, 16 years, that's overblown. Okay, you can have a good quarterback for 15, 16 years and still not win a Super Bowl. So what's the difference? You know what I mean? I think that the way that the game is changing, teams are building more through the draft and through free agency and building teams. You know what I mean? Eli had a successful run when he had a running game. He didn't have to have, you know, superstar talent, but he's never had a running back like what the potential of Saquon Barkley is outside of Tiki Barber. You know what I mean? A receiver that can come out of the backfield get you short yardage, and run out in the flat and catch a pass and take it to the house. But even Tiki Barber wasn't this dynamic. So grabbing somebody like Saquon Barkley was the best thing that the Giants could do. And that's going to be part of Dave um, Gettleman's legacy. You know, Saquon Barkley is a once-in-a-generation talent, man. You know, the eyeballs don't lie, man. And all of these commentators here, I can't wait, man. I can't wait till the season start to hear them back, pat, back, backsliding and you know eating crow because this kid is the real deal man i said it months ago and you go back to many podcasts i was like well giants can lose all they want this season i hope they get saquon barkley and my wishes came true so i'm happy about that i'm happy about the number two pick and i'm happy about the future of the giants moving forward next on the list you know, we're going to talk a little hip-hop, man, because, you know, the internet has been going crazy all day today. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm a little sick of it because, you know, the talk is about Kanye West. Now, don't get me wrong. Kanye West is a musical genius. You know what I mean? He do, He's done a lot of things that can be considered very weird and suspect. And, you know, people can call him a coon, whatever. Like, his meeting with Donald Trump, so what? You know what I mean? Floyd Floyd Mayweather met with Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Evander Holyfield met with Donald Trump. You know, all of these people that we hold in high regard, Steve Harvey, all these people met with Donald Trump. That's not neither here nor there. Now, don't get me wrong, the hat that Kanye did wear, wear, the Make America Great Again hat, I mean, to me, I think he did all of this, and he's doing all of this for publicity, you know? Just a week ago or two weeks ago, Kanye wasn't even the topic of discussion. You know what I mean? Now all of a sudden he wears a red hat that says make America great again. Says some foolish stuff on on social media and during interviews to get people talking about him to now think about his product. And now 
him give people a piece of his mind on what he thinks about business and blacks and you know everything that he has going for himself like now people want to sit there act up and go in a frenzy and go all crazy like come on man at the end of the day people y'all need to stop man at the end of the day you're giving this man too much power at the end of the day he's human he's not your leader you know what I mean? People getting all bent out of shape because he said he said something asinine like slavery was a choice. Now that that's just an insult to your intelligence. You know, slavery and being enslaved means being held against your own will. You know what I mean? So that right there, saying slavery being a choice, it's like an oxymoron. It doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? So people getting all bent out of shape and giving Kanye the platform to wig out and do stupid shit. You know, Bill Cosby just got, you know, found guilty on a bunch of trumped up charges. You know what I'm saying? I don't know the specifics, you know, the people that, you know, dealt with him back in the days and came to his room or were allegedly drugged. But, you know, we just lost the icon that meant well to black families Throughout the years You know They just peeled his, his star fame Up from Hollywood You know what I mean So They give you the spotlight Now comment said They give you the spotlight To turn the light low Man they put you on a pedestal To knock you down one day And Kanye West Most of his Rants And everything that he's been Complaining about As of late To me sounds like A spoiled person That's not getting the attention That he wants And he's asking for acceptance You know He cried about this before with this whole his obsession is with this fashion industry you know he wants to design sneakers he wants to design clothes and he's mad because they don't want to accept him it's like bro like why are you so bent out of shape you got acres of land you made millions and millions of dollars making music why are you so hell-bent on being accepted in the fashion industry i don't feel bad for him at the end of the day he put his foot in his mouth a lot of times he comes across like an average spoiled kid that always had a golden spoon. That may not be the case, but that's sure how he comes across. You know what I mean? Every I looked at that documentary today, man, with him and Charlemagne, that interview, I should say. You know, everything around him was lavish. You know what I mean? Everything that he spoke about pertained to fashion and Louis Vuitton, Birkin, all this, all these designers that at the end of the day, he tried to turn around and call you all new slaves to. He's trying to get into that in, in that industry. So again, man, to sit there and enter, entertain Kanye West and put all this stock into everything that he's saying is asinine, man. You know what I mean? And I had to really touch on that today because I see so many people going down this rabbit hole and reposting and retweeting and all of this stuff that he wants you to do You know what I mean Don't get me wrong It's a marketing plan Marketing scheme to sell albums I hope that the album that him and Nas puts out Is classic Because I, I love music and, and Nas is one of my favorite MCs And Kanye is a great producer When he's focused And you know I don't think his musical genius is going anywhere You know what I mean I'm not going to pay attention to what his political stance is And what his personal views and opinions are Because they are exactly that, his personal views and opinions. And the minute that you let other people determine how you feel based off of what they think and what they say, you're done. You know what I mean? You're already done. You might as well stick a fork in yourself because you're done. 
Me, I'm not falling for the trap. I'm not going down a rabbit hole with this whole Kanye situation. You know what I mean? If he is going through mental issues, it's nothing to make fun of. You know what I mean? Because we all know people that go through mental issues and you never know. One day you may wake up and all your scruples may not be together. Your elevator may not make it to the top floor one day. So to sit there and troll a man and tease him because of that is foolish, man. But on that note, I'm going to leave you guys with that. You know what I mean? Like I said, this is episode 62. Stills the great, you know, flying solo. The homies are flares under the weather. But the show must go on, man. And I appreciate all you guys for taking the time out to listen. You know what I mean? This week we got some interesting uh, interviews coming up. You know what I mean? My boy D-Dot, Dorian Cabrera. You know, he's going to be sharing his story. Or Section 3 documentary about his life and what he went through. You know what I mean? Coming from the streets of Brooklyn, being incarcerated, you know, for 12 years of his life and then coming out a changed man. You know what I mean? So that's on the horizon. You know what I mean? We got some more artist features coming up, man. So, you know, we bubbling here at Bars and Hoops, man. You know, so hopefully you guys tune in, you know, check it out. Subscribe, like, share on Facebook, Instagram. You know, SoundCloud and iTunes and also on YouTube, man. That's Bars and Hoops. You know what I mean? So on that note, Stills the Great, Bars and Hoops signing off. Peace.